number three of the Bill Michael Show on this Friday. Good to have you. Beautiful weather. Nice day today. Got a lot going on in the area. Kind of gearing up for next weekend, which is the Wisconsin State Fair and the return thereof. Hey, a reminder, I'm going to be at Wild Ridge Golf Course in Eau Claire. The show is going to be live there next Monday. Next Monday. Uh, we're going to be there live, and then don't forget, if you haven't gotten your tickets already, I know there's only a couple remaining, but uh, we have the Cigar Dinner, the Golf Outing and the Cigar Dinner at Wild Ridge Golf Course in Eau Claire next Monday. It's a great place if you play some golf, if you smoke even if you don't smoke cigars, we still have a great time. You get golf, you get some free cigars, you get some free drinks, you get free dinner, or I shouldn't say free, but it's all for one price. And then uh, we do a little Q&A after the fact, kind of an unabridged version of this particular show, uh, a look behind the scenes, and we have a great time doing it. It's a lot of fun. So if you have not ever been to one, I highly suggest you come on out. If you have, you know what I'm talking about, bring friends, bring clients. Uh, it's just a good, enjoyable day and afternoon and evening. So come on by Wild Ridge Golf Course out in Eau Claire coming up on Monday, and uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. It's going to be a really, really, really good time. So that's coming up. Uh, meanwhile, the Milwaukee Brewers, what is coming up is hopefully at some point we talk about the Brewers adding something. But what do they need to add the most? A lot of people talking about the possibility of Josh Bell. Bell makes a lot of sense for a lot of teams. Probably makes a lot of sense for the Astros. Uh, there's the uh, uh, you know Cleveland Guardians some people are talking about. Uh, Bell has to go in with his kind of his eyes wide open, whatever team he goes to. Uh, Bell's an upgraded first base in many different scenarios, defensively speaking, offensively speaking. Um, if, say, San Diego doesn't go for Soto, they might be in the market for uh, for uh, Josh Bell. So they got a, there's a lot of different teams that are vying for a bat, a legitimate bat. But that's the guy that seems to be talked about the most. Uh, and, and, you know, who knows who else is going to be actually out there. Teams are kind of right now – deciding are they buyers or are they sellers and who's dangling what in front of whom, right? So you start looking at the teams that right now are pretty much out of it. Uh, I know there's some people that would love to see Baltimore kind of become a buyer because they're a game over 500, but that, that that's not that's not happening, I don't think. You know, they're, you got Toronto, which is four games up, Tampa Bay three games up, Baltimore sitting there with 50 wins on the season, Cleveland with 50 wins on the season. You got Seattle with 54. Seattle right now and Toronto would be the two teams that are the wild card teams, which means Baltimore and even, I mean, even Boston. Boston's got 50 wins. They're, they're sitting at 500, but we know they're sellers 17 games back. They're 500 in the division, which by in the American League East is by all accounts the strongest division in all of baseball. Every team is either above or at 500. The worst team in that division at 100 games played is the 50 and 50 Boston Red Sox, 17 games back behind the Yankees, who have 67 wins on the season. You got New York with 61. The Brewers lead their division, but with 55 wins. They're three games up on the St. Louis Cardinals. They've had numerous opportunities. San Diego in second place right now in the National League West. They're 12 games out with 55 wins. That tells you how, what the division is right now in the National League Central. Think about that. Then again, the American League Central is no better. As a matter of fact, they're, they're marginally worse in the sense that the Twins right now are 52 and 46, six games up. And they're still two games ahead of Cleveland in that division. That's how bad that division. So both central divisions, not good. So knowing what we know, 
that the Atlanta Braves have 59 wins. The Mets lead that division with 61. Philadelphia sitting there nine and a half games back with 52 in the East. The Dodgers with 66 wins. The uh, the Padres with 55. And San Francisco, 17 and a half games back, still feel like they had something at some point to play for. They're a game under 500 at 49 and 50, only six games behind the Brewers. So right now, if you're the Brewers, you want to kind of go for it because you know you've got pitching and the Cavalry's kind of on their way, but you just won five out of your last six, and that gave you 55 wins. So how strong are you going to go for it? If you're David Stearns, are you thinking, this is it. This is, we got, we got to push it. We're going to, we're going to empty the, empty the farm for whatever we can possibly get. So, Rowdy, we, we, are, are you going whole hog on this or are you going, you know what? this is not the year to go for it, even though we're going to win the division. See, I'm going for upgrades. Like me personally, if, if I could, uh, you know, in a perfect world where we were in where the current Brewers situation is with where their contracts line up, I probably would have added, or at least tried to have added like a Ben attendee in center field. So I'm upgrading in center field and then like, uh, you know, another arm in that bullpen. Well, obviously Ben attendee's gone and, it always seems like they're upgrading when they're in contention and armed to the bullpen. I just, I don't know how you can look at that team and not say we need a whole hell of a lot more from center field. Now, are they going to trade for a center fielder? You mentioned Juan Soto, and if they, you know, the stars somehow aligned and he was a Milwaukee Brewer, where are they going to play him? We know that David Stearns is about versatility and is about, you know, maybe playing guys a little out of position to get bats in the lineup. So maybe they don't go for the standard center fielder, but they definitely need to upgrade that center field position. Mm-hmm. That's that's the that major one. With. That's the biggest one in my in my mind. Yeah, they need to upgrade center field. I, I and Mark says, what about first base and third base? I first base, I don't think is a desperate need. I don't think, uh, and I hate to say this, but I don't think Roddy Telez is the long term answer. At first base, I still think you could probably upgrade defensively speaking, but you're not going to replace all of a sudden. You're not going to get better power numbers, right? You're not going to. You're not going to all of a sudden just say, "Well, this is the way to go" when it comes to playing first base because Rowdy Telez, <laughs> you know, his power number. He's got a, a, a for for the money that was spent this offseason on first baseman. You are getting tons of bang for your buck in Rowdy Telez right now. I don't have any problem with Roddy Tillis. What I what I think you may do is find yourself maybe a better defensive first baseman. Keep Roddy Tillis when it comes to uh, you know DH certainly for the power numbers. But you if you brought Josh Bell into the mix with his average and what he has, and we talked about this yesterday. You have Josh Bell. Renfro's hitting the hell out of the ball. Christian Yelich has had a kind of a rebirth, leading things off. Can you imagine going like and just suppose you Colton Wong returns to a semblance of what he was when he was in the leadoff position. If you had Christian Yelich batting first or second, Hunter Renfro batting second or third, Rowdy Telez, Josh Bell, and you you start to go through that list of guys, and you could still throw Willie Adamas out there because he's had decent power numbers. You got a really you got kind of a powerful lineup. And granted, it seems to be all or nothing, but at least you've thrown another bat in there that can get on base for average, right? Yeah, I'm just looking at, if you look at the framework of the Brewers' contracts down the line, now this year, obviously they're in their window, right, Bill? Like, mm-hmm. Right. We would right. say that we everyone thought the window, there was a certain window, but they kind of opened it early in 2018. 
and now we're still kind of riding yeah. in that wave. But if you look at it, a lot of the big names, the Burns, the Woodruff, the Adamasit, like every big name you can think of outside of a few, they're all under contract through 2024. Mm-hmm. But since the Brewers are a small market team, you don't want to hold on to all of those guys through 2024 or else you're going to get absolutely nothing for them. So that leaves 2023. I think uh, if they're going to go all in, it's got to be next season at the latest or else, honestly, right. Ananasio is probably, and Stearns are kind of cowards because it's like you built up this window. We've seen them add pieces like the Mike Moustakis. We saw them get one game away from the World Series. If you don't go all in by you know the 2023 season, you kind of just were like, well, we were happy with being a good team. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I'm, well, that's a great question as to whether or not they're afraid to go all in. Do you think that Christian Yelich and that contract somewhat burned him? Oh, hundred percent. And it's kind of like the Soto thing, right? Like if, if Christian Yelich was Christian Yelich that we had saw say parts of the time in Milwaukee, or even we'll say parts of the time in, in Florida when he was with the Miami Marlins, it, People forget he won a gold glove in Miami. Right. That's not that's not a hitter friendly ballpark like Miller Park slash American Family Field was. That that's a bigger ballpark. Yep. Yeah, that was somewhat cavernous at the time too, before they actually I He's think they hampering you twice in. as much now, Bill, because he can't play in the outfield very well. He you know, they say that uh people that criticize these major leaguers can't do things as well as them. For the most mm-hmm. part, I would agree with that. But sometimes I see him throw the baseball and I go, I don't know. Right. I, I don't know. I might still be able to throw it farther. Yeah, now, that's he, that's uh, kind of tongue in cheek. But still, like watching him throw, it's it's not a major league big time arm. It's that's uh, what we call a noodle arm. He um, he does not throw a laser by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I mean, every now and then you'll see him kind of you'll see him dive for a baseball. Maybe going to the wall a little bit, but when it comes to being all out defensive, yeah, it's not. Uh, and that's what's killing you because it's, it's like, well, okay, Christian Yelich stinks in the field. So if you did bring in Juan Soto, okay, say Christian Yelich was hitting the crap out of the baseball like he was in 18 or 19. It's very easy to say, we'll just make him DH, but you can't make a, a guy a DH that's a left no. fielder that all of a sudden has no power. And, but yeah, he can get on base here. Yep. Yeah. And, he. Uh, now you can mix him in if you want to save his legs a little bit, but beyond that, no, you can't do that. Not for, and especially not for the money you're paying him. And he's not even giving you the power numbers. And that's why Lorenzo Cain was going to have to be big this year. And I haven't bought into the Lorenzo Cain hype since he uh, opted out of 2020. I was like, I think I was the first guy blowing the horn on over the line, saying this guy's done. In, in 2020, mm-hmm. once he sat out a year after a down season when he started creeping up to the mid-30s? I thought, I really, I was one of the people that bought in. I thought he would come back, and I thought he'd be strong, and I even thought that this year would be that year in which he just kind of busted out, and man, was I wrong. You, you, you saw it, I didn't. I just thought he would be much, much better. But I think the Brewers, maybe not to the extent of some of the fans, but I think the Brewers thought that he was still a guy that could give them 250 and play plus outfield. Because if they would have got mm-hmm. that, uh, Lorenzo Cain is clearly still there. We're not talking about this big of a hole in center field. Right. And and that's the other thing. They're in such and, a conundrum. But, but then again, I had said, I go back to the game. He was They were playing the Cubs, and I've said this time and again. There was a ball that was hit into the gap. 
normally he gets. And I watched him one the ball. It was re- within reach. He just didn't get it. He just he just didn't be, he couldn't bend over to get it. And then the ball basically outran him to the wall. And that was something I had never seen out of Lorenzo Kane. And I equated to when we were in Chicago and I watched Mitch Trubisky run away from uh, Clay Matthews. And I said right then and there, Clay Matthews is done because he doesn't have the wheels to catch guys from behind anymore for sacks. Same thing with Lorenzo Cain. When he didn't have the ability to bend over and pick up a baseball that ended up, that should have been nothing more than a single, and it ended up going to the wall for a run-scoring double, I thought, that's it. That I that, that was when I started to say, okay, I can't buy into this guy anymore. I think it's coming to an end. So, Bill, this is uh, back in 2020 when he opted out. You know, he played that first week or so, and he was hitting like 300 and opted out for family reasons. He came back in 2021, and I, I do a thing on uh, Over the Line that's called Mount Notice, mm-hmm. where where we list right. like four guys where it's like, hey, you better pick it up or uh, you know, yeah. people are going to want your head here soon. Put him on Mount Notice, and people were freaking out because they thought he would bounce back in 2021. And then if you remember, he's mid-30s at this point. In 2019, he had a down year swinging the bat. Then he doesn't play an entire year of 2020, and then... He's having lower body issues. Remember, he mm-hmm. sat out like that entire spring training and was having issues getting him going. I just, right. I just never saw it after that. But going back to like the Brewers, you look at this roster; it's so frustrating because you're talking about weak spots that you didn't necessarily think would be weak spots. Like mm-hmm. Colton Wong had a hell of a year last year and defensively was right in there for a Gold Glove again. This right. year, he looks awful in awful. the field, awful. and he's having one of his lesser hitting seasons. We saw this same thing, uh, same type of scenario. Do you remember Casey McGee? Oh, yeah. He had, like, what, Casey two McGee. good years? Two good years. And his big year, he ended up hitting close to, like, 280. And, man, he was everything over at third base. And the next year, he couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat, and it affected his defense tremendously. It was like something was just wrong with the guy. Like mentally, just midway through the season, he just figured he couldn't pick up his average, he couldn't do anything right, and it just it matriculated down. Finally, they just got rid of him. They, they and I, I think the same thing is happening with Colton Wong. Now, I have more belief in Colton Wong making a comeback than I did Casey McGee because Casey McGee was never that guy. Colton Wong has been. But you're right, Colton Wong has just, offen- or uh, defensively speaking, it's like the offense has just taken his mind and taken it away from the game of baseball to the point that defensively speaking, he just hasn't been as good. He and hasn't I, been the gold glover that we know. I love what they have in the, in the infield here when you look at the fact that Colton Wong, when he plays well, he's like a 260 hitter. He'll get on base for you, steal a few bases here and there. But he's right in there to win gold gloves. He mm-hmm. hasn't been any of that. Willie Adamas has been so up and down. He's been a plus defender. He's been solid defensively. But it's like, for him, it's one of three things. Home run, pop out, strike out. Mm-hmm. And then you look yep. at Luis Arias. Luis Arias flashes big time glove. Just don't give him all day to make a throw. When he's got to make the play right away, the guy is great. And awesome. all of a sudden, he's starting to hit the ball a little bit lately. Same with Colton Wong. It's, it's so frustrating because it's like, well, Arias was hurt earlier in the year, and then Wong was kind of banged up, and then they were both not swinging the bat well, but now they're kind of swinging the bat well. I feel like with the talent you have, it's not – I don't know if you can just put Wong on the bench and acquire a third base. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if mm-hmm. it would be worth it because it's like, well, what if uh, you don't acquire like a Brandon Drury where you know you're going to have to give a, a decent amount away? Right. And then all of a sudden – 
by the you know in the next week or so, it's like, whoa, Urias is on fire. Wong is on fire. We never needed Drury because we had these guys the whole time. They just weren't performing to the level we expected. Right. I don't know. Right. I feel like when you look at the roster, like I've seen people complaining about upgrading at catcher. My question is, who the hell are you going to acquire that's going to really be an upgrade? When you think about it, there's not a ton of great catchers. And the, would you go with Contreras? See, that's the thing. I don't think the Cubs will trade with you. You know what I mean? Right. I well, I I think at this point it's like a fire sale. They're just kind of tearing it all down to start over. They're going via the Theo Epstein way when he first got there to say, look, we'll go ahead and lose a hundred games. We're going to tear it down and go back for draft choices and try to rebuild our glory after a hundred plus years of getting to a World Series. So I think they're trying to head in that direction. So maybe they'll trade with anybody. But you're right, maybe not within the division. And then you you look at some of the other catchers that are legitly good catchers that are a definite upgrade to what they have, and you're sitting there going. Well, if you look at the AL East, it's not like Baltimore is going to trade their young prospect in Adley Rushman. You know what I mean? It's like mm, right. you're looking around and it's like there's really not a ton of great catchers right now. Do you really think that the Phillies are going to move on from JT Real Muto and they're already still in the thick of things? Like, I don't really think there's that much of an upgrade that you can actually make out there at the catcher position. Now, Nervaez and, and Caratini, they haven't been great, but they haven't been bad. They've been no. eh. Caratini's giving you some big hits, but it's been few and far between. Narvaez, when healthy, has proven that he can hit the ball. Pretty good defensively as well, and the pitchers really like him. So, I mean, that that goes a long way when you're talking about a guy that the pitchers really like and the way he frames a pitch and the way he calls a game. So we we can take away a little bit offensively speaking because of the way he actually handles the pitching staff. Let's do this. We're going to step away, take a quick break. We'll come back, get back into this a little bit. Welcome back to the program. Fish Fry tonight, if you're looking for it. Stoley's Hog Alley and Stoley's Old 109. Stoley's Old 109 up in Watertown. Beautiful place. But if you still like to do the traditional fish fry, that's uh, that's the place to go. Stoley's Hog Alley right there in Summit in Oconomowoc. We may actually ride over that way tonight. They've been renovating uh, that place now pretty much all summer long. It's supposed to be done. Supposed to be done. By about the end of August, about a month yet to go, but uh, I can't wait to see the new look. But uh, in in the meantime, they're still open, still support them. Jeff and Alicia, great people, great people. Stop out uh, to either place, Stoll's Old 109 in Watertown or Stoley's Hog Alley right there there next to the highway, right next to 94 in Summit in Oconomowoc. Stop out either place, absolutely fantastic. Here's one thing to think about when you talk about the trade rumors that are going on out there, that the Juan Soto... Um, possibility as to where he may go and who is the most likely candidate uh, to pick up his services. Uh, I'm sitting here reading a couple of different articles uh, earlier this morning, and not one of them, not one of them mentions the Milwaukee Brewers. It's I would assume it's not because the Brewers don't have interest. It's just that it is they're not going to sign him. The, the, the money's too much, and it's just not the way the Brewers do things. They just don't give up a bunch of prospects for rentals, and he's going to cost you way, way, way too much, and especially after the rumor was what the Yankees were willing to give up. But on one hand, I get it. It's smart business. But Rowdy, on the other, 
it's wouldn't you like to see like the Brewers are really going after it? You know, I not to say that they're going to get Juan Soto or if they have even enough in the farm system to get them, but you know, they're not even mentioned. It's like they don't even exist. The Cardinals are there. You know, other NL teams, obviously the Padres are there, and you've got the Dodgers that are there and those big market teams. The Cardinals are there, but even the Tampa Bay Rays are there. But not one article that I read even comes close to mentioning, oh, yeah, the Milwaukee Brewers, they'd be a good fit. Well, unfortunately, Bill, I think the reason why it's not more serious if the Brewers really did show interest in – I think everyone probably thinks Juan Soto is, um, you know, a great player. He's only 23. But the reason why they don't have real interest is, in my opinion, because they have uh, one big anchor around their neck, mm-hmm. and that's Christian Yelich's contract. If yeah. Christian El- uh, Christian Yelich didn't have that contract, I bet they'd be a lot more interested in Juan Soto and potentially signing him long-term. Because mm-hmm. if you look at their roster, like I was telling you, they don't have many of these guys long-term past 2024, and none of them are costing them hardly anything. I mean, without that Yelich deal on the books, I mean, they would have just a ton of money. Yeah, and you, you, you still were kind of hoping that Christian Yelich eventually... Does Christian Yelich, in your mind, ever again hit 35-plus home runs? Depends, Bill. Um, so I had a bet with a buddy going into this year that um Christian Yelich he I said he would even I would even allow him to get one of three of these categories and I would say he's the winner. It was Christian Yelich hitting three hundred with I think it was twenty eight home runs and eighty five RBIs. I told him for him to win he just had to hit one of those categories. Mm-hmm. He's not gonna sniff any of them. No. I said because uh, remember, uh, I bet with uh, I bet with Ben. I said no, not going to happen. I said that I didn't think he would hit fifteen. I didn't think he'd hit fifteen. See, I would have taken the, the over, but I de- I would have taken the over, but that was He's a pretty solid number. Right yeah, at the beginning of the year, I would have taken the over, but I wouldn't have pegged him in for any more than fifteen to twenty. Right, ninety four games is what he's played in. You got sixty two remaining. No, nah, he'll be lucky. He'll be lucky. He hits them in bunches, though. He does do that. But I'll say he'll yeah. be he'll be lucky if at this point with how he's been hitting it. I think he had those two really hot weeks where he hit like the majority of those home runs. He had too. like three or four, yeah. And and going into Fenway now, he's got an opportunity. Short porch out there and right, so he's got some opportunities. But he's he's running out of time and he's running out of ballparks to hit them in. Bill, I had this. It was, it's been bothering me for a while. And it was in, I believe, the second or third week of April. And uh, we went back and found it because I saw some articles that were popping up around All Star Break about something mm-hmm. that I had talked about in literally mid April. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't sleep one night. And I, weirdly enough, was thinking about how bad Christian Yelich had been at this point. <laughs> he was still hitting third. <laughs> And I'm like, what the hell happened to this guy? So I ended up saying, I can't sleep. I might as well get this laptop up. And I end up going through, I pull up all of his spray charts, all of his launch angles, all of his numbers from his entire career. And I formulated this theory after going through all of this for like two hours from about midnight to two in the morning. I think from looking at it, we all know that Christian Yelich was a really, really good um line-to-line hitter. He was more of a doubles hitter 
when he was a younger guy that hit for average, right? He wasn't a guy that hit a ton of home mm-hmm. runs. Right. And you right. look at his spray charts, they were fairly even, you know, back when hitters were good hitters. Like when we talk about like the Wade Boggs or Tony Gwynn, they could spray it all right. over. That was his spray chart, but he didn't have a ton of pop. But you look at his launch angle, hardly had a launch angle. And then as he progressed and you saw that he started to hit like the 15, 18, I think it was 21 home runs in Miami as he got a little older, his mm-hmm. launch angle increased. And all of a sudden you could say, and we'll say he matured, he's getting older. He hit more home runs, but the big thing was that launch angle. And right. then in 18 and 19 with the Brewers, that launch angle continued to go a little bit higher, but he was also pulling the baseball. And if if people out there know anything about launch angle and pulling the baseball, when you're trying to pull the baseball and hit under it, you have to be out in front of the plate hitting the ball. Obviously, mm-hmm. if you're driving the ball to right field, you're hitting the ball behind the plate. There's a Dante Bichette, former big leaguer, does some great demos. Him and Sean Casey are phenomenal to listen to on on hitting. But yep. keeping it simple, he was on fire and he, he was hitting everything on the barrel. It was it was amazing. But he was kind of doing that or starting to do that towards his latter years in Miami. He just completely turned it up and then he was in a hitter friendly park. He was coming into his prime. It all kind of clicked at the right time, you know? They keep talking about his exit velocity and the power that he has, and he's still hitting the ball hard, which if you look at his exit velocity, it's still down compared to what it was. So I know that's something they grab onto, one of those sabermetric numbers. Well, here's the deal, Bill. I I, I got to it in 2020. Believe it or not, you know, a lot of people freaked out. I think a lot of people would take Christian Yelich's 2020 right now because he even raised his launch angle even more. Now, his take rate was at the same thing. The only thing that he slightly was off on in 2020 was his barrel percentage. He wasn't hitting as many barrels. Therefore, he was getting under it a little bit too much. He was getting over it a little bit too much. But if you remember, he still hit a ton of home runs. I believe he was, I think he hit 12 in 60 games. He was on pace for like mid 30s, which puts him right in that 18, 19 range. And his RBIs were right on pace, if I remember correctly, for about 90, which again, puts him close to that that pace that he was setting in those years. His average just wasn't there. But when you go back to 2021 and that merciful year that we all had to witness, his launch angle went back to nothing. And his hard hit rate was still right there. His barrel rate was actually even better than 2020, but he just had no launch on uh, or angle on his, on his hits. He just was basically hitting it Nowhere. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like if you started yep, getting yep. under it, those balls would have been in the seats. And then I think it's just a, a combination of weird, unlucky stuff. You think about it. Does has the uh, injury in 19. We have the start spring training, stop spring training, summer camp. Now we're playing 60 games. It's weird. It's COVID. That's got to mentally mess with them. I'll tell you this. When I was down there for spring training, I've said this time and again, that year I was watching him when he was in in batting practice prior to COVID hitting and prior to everything being shut down. He wasn't hitting home runs then, even in batting practice. He was hitting either really high pop-ups or just rocketed ground balls down the lines, either way. But he wasn't hitting because normally he would put on a a show. He would give you maybe in, in 20 pitches, he'd give you maybe eight nine home runs he didn't hit one and i i was looking to we, we, i was doing the show at the time and i was looking at a buddy of mine i'm like 
he's not he's not hitting with any kind of power. And they said, well, he's probably just taking it easy because of the knee. Never really came back out of that. It's been the same since. And that's like that's the thing. I feel like in 2020 with the weird start and stop, you have the excuse, right? You could say, oh, it was COVID, it was weird, or oh, it, you know, the start and stop, he didn't have his routine. But then in 2021, everything was normal, and it still looked the same. It was actually even worse. And I'm with you. What I basically came up with is he's tinkered so much with his uh, launch angle that he needed to go back to being that spray hitter, which he's kind of done this season, and then build on it. And I kid you not, Bill, it was I think it was April 9th when we were on the show saying this. I go, he needs to do the home run derby and just get a lot of cuts where he just tries to hit all the balls in the seats and see if it can't turn him around like Juan Soto. Then I kid you not, a week before the All-Star break, I see all these articles popping up. When right. all because I couldn't sleep the one night and went down a Christian Yelich <laughs> rabbit hole. But I think I really do think that it was it's such a muscle memory thing when it comes to that launch angle, because you have to be perfectly on that uh, on that line of uh, that plane every single time. Right. And just that maybe it was that knee injury and maybe the knee wasn't quite healthy when he started to come back. Something's not correct with his muscle memory. And when you watch him now. He still hits the baseball really hard and really well when he lets the ball travel in on him. He struggles when he pulls the baseball. He's always missing it when he pulls the baseball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the up and in has cost him numerous strikeouts throughout the season where normally, and Christian Yelich, the other thing they discovered, if you go up in the strike zone, he becomes a much less effective hitter. Down in the strike zone, remember, he would he would almost golf balls over the fence. If you go up in the strike zone, specifically up and in, it ties them up. Let's do this. We're going to step away and take a quick break. When we come back, going to hear from the Packers' newest wide receiver, Christian Watson, and what's going on with the knee. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Milwaukee Bed Bug Pros. And don't let the name fool you of Milwaukee because they travel. But they do uh, They do this, whether it's bed bugs, ants, stink bugs, flying insects, whatever it happens to be. They're safe. They're effective. They can do thermal and chemical options, depending on which way you want to go. Baby safe, house safe, kids safe, pet safe. Uh, the treatments they find and kill the bad eggs. Uh, they can do preventative maintenance. They're discreet. They don't show up with giant bugs on top of their uh, top of their gear, letting you know, and the entire apartment complex know that they're there to kind of clean something out. Customized solution for your situation and for your budget, and whether it's a residential, a townhome, multi-unit apartment building, condo, dorm rooms, hotels, motels, medical facilities, daycare, they can do it all, and uh, they uh, they work with you on, like I said, the budget and the, the, the type of treatment you need. Call Michael uh, over at 414-877-5811. Call Michael, 414-877-5811. You can check out everything they do. Go to MilwaukeeBedBugPros.com. That is MilwaukeeBedBugPros.com. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up next. Michael show we continue on Christian Watson wide receiver for your Green Bay Packers Mike Clements had a chance to catch up with him and Watson was asked uh you know as far as that uh, that left knee goes uh did the pain that he experienced in the left knee um is this something that bothered him at all when he was in college uh no it was something that you know started kind of bothering me during OTAs 
Did they decide when it comes to the surgery that he had? Now we found out he had surgery. Did did they decide on the minor surgery after the last mandatory mini camp? Uh, yeah, no. I, right as we got into the break, uh, that's kind of when I had to sit down and, and talk, and you know, we weighed we weighed the pros and cons and, and went ahead with it. So, you know, when you talk about the specifics um, of well, what happened, you know, does he remember that exact moment when he started feeling that pain in that left knee? Uh, no, I don't, I don't remember, uh, you know, an exact play. It was just something that kind of came on when I, when I was, you know, running routes and, and running and cutting and, and everything. Um, just kind of a lingering soreness. Going back to college? Or- uh, no, this is, it, was, it was something new. So when, you know, you start to think about yourself in knee surgery, because you know it's going to set you back, you know you're going to probably be down for quite some time. You want to do it sooner rather than later, obviously. But how did he arrive at the decision to have that minor surgery five weeks before the start of training camp? It's really just something that, um, you know, was you know, after talking with, you know, my agent and the training staff, just something that would be more beneficial for me to, um, you know, in the long term and the short term. And, you know, I'm feeling, feeling better and better each day. Which is good, which is good news. But is he fr- the question was posed to him, are you frustrated or are you jealous seeing rookie Romeo Dubs out there right now or Jawan Winfrey, Randall Cobb, they're getting all the reps in training camp and you're not? I mean, there's definitely no, like, you know, jealousy or I love seeing, you know, Rome, uh, you know, Jawan, Kabi out there, you know, balling. Um, you know, that's what I want to see every day. I was making plays myself. You know, I want to see everybody else making plays as well. But, I mean, yeah, no, it, it's definitely just frustrating, you know, just within myself, you know, not being able to, um, you know, go out there. Obviously, it's my first one. And, you know, I, you know, I feel like, you know, to myself, I have a lot to prove. You know, and, and, and really just, you know, getting out there and just, you know, creating that you know, synergy and, 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 you know, vibing with all the guys. And then, you know, Aaron, obviously, um, you know, missing out, out on that a little bit. But, you know, I'm always, I'm always picking those guys' brains, even if I'm not out there. And, you know, I said it before, you know, just getting all, all those mental reps and just knowing exactly what I can do. So, you know, I'm still making progress. I'm not, you know, at a standstill or, you know, taking steps back, even though I'm not out there. Knowing where he's at right now uh, and the pain that's in the knee or that he had, does he have any regrets having the surgery right here, right now? Uh, yeah, no, I definitely did. Um, but I mean, you know, like I said, after, after, you know, talking with everybody and getting everybody's opinion, um, you know, I'm happy with the, the with the decision that we made. Why was that important to get it now? Um, you know, just so it wasn't something I had to worry about. It wasn't something something that wasn't lingering, stopping me from you know performing at you know the level that I wanted to play at. So when it got better on the Um, there's no, I mean, there was no really telling, um, you know, whether it would have or not. But I mean, that, that wasn't really a gamble that we wanted to, you know, gamble. So there you go. That was the decision to go ahead and have the knee surgery done now as opposed to later on or let that pain get worse. And uh, he hopes to be back here uh, probably by the beginning of the season. We'll wait and see, but obviously it sets him back. Uh, This portion of the program brought to you by a lot of good people who are helping us out. Don't forget, Sunday, September 4th. Sunday, September 4th. Uh, If you follow on the Bud Light live stream and you haven't registered already, it's right there. There's the QR code for you. All you got to do is scan it. It'll take you right to the link. But our motorcycle run, our 15th annual motorcycle run benefiting Fisher House, Wisconsin, for military members, veterans, and their families, uh, which the house has been built and it's there for you at uh, one of your most vulnerable times. We need you. We can't uh, do this without those who ride, without those who spread the word for us, and we can't do it without a lot of our great sponsors. Growth Law Firm, who has been with us the last few years, one of the top 20 biker uh, attorney uh, law firms in the country, and they're right here in our own backyard. So if you are injured in an accident by any stretch of the imagination, get a hold of our friends over at Growth Law because they're helping us 
help the veterans and help the military members and their families. Also, our friends at Wisconsin Harley Davidson. That's where the that's where the after party is going to take place. We got a big time after party. Rebel Grace on the south stage, and then. We have Hairbangers Ball, but could tee it up at 8 o'clock that night. So after you get done, after the ride's over, after the poker hands have been dealt and all the prizes have been awarded, you sit back, relax, and then Hairbangers Ball takes over. It's a great time. Also, our friends at Bud Light, who have been with us now all 15 years, kudos to them. Our friends from NKE Brewing and uh, Potawatomi Hotel Casino, as I had mentioned, they're the ones that uh, jumped on board this year and said, hey, what can we do to help you? So they jumped on, and they are going to give us dealers, actual card dealers, which is great. I mean, who else better to deal poker hands than actual dealers? So we're going to have them at the end of the ride dealing the poker hands. That's going to be fantastic. Also, our friends at Great Lakes Dragaway. Roy and the entire staff down there, they've been supporting veterans for a long time. As a matter of fact, they were a stop on the ride at one point as we rotate the stops every year. They were a stop, and everybody loved it down there. So if you get a chance to go to Union Grove, and Great Lakes Dragway, by all means, uh, stop down. It's a fun place to go and just spend a little time down there, whether it's racing and seeing what you've got fast in the quarter or just going watching what's fast in the quarter. And then there are our friends at Buzzard Billies, and they are out in La Crosse, Wisconsin, and uh, they jumped on board too, and they said, hey, we've got veterans and riders out here that uh, go over to Milwaukee for the hometown rally. We want to send them in your direction. Thanks to Buzzard Billies for being a part of the program as well. They're great, great people over there, and we can't do uh, enough. But we uh, have uh, a lot of space left and a lot of bikes to fill. Last year, 767 motorcycles. We are looking to break that record uh, with 800 this year if we possibly can. So please, we can't do it without you. So please, I keep begging you. Uh, to go ahead and get pre-registered. Had a couple of friends get pre-registered last night. If if you get pre-registered, you're also in the drawing. It just went up on the website, on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash run. It just went up, all the different prizes, only for those who pre-register. But uh, for the uh, for the poker uh, winnings, you get a 75-inch big screen TV, uh, which is fantastic, or you can win yourself beer for a year and some other terrific prizes. So a lot of good stuff on the poker run, but we're doing it for a really worthy cause, and we hope you can join us. Going to go ahead and take a quick break, come back, more of the Bill Michael Show next. Continue on. I want to remind you, our friends, at Forgotten Fire Winery. they got a food truck up there this weekend, some music, a lot of good stuff. And uh, I continue to tell you, stop in. If you're in that area in Peshtigo, Wisconsin, uh, up near Menominee, Marinette, in that area, stop into Forgotten Fire. Go in. Tell them you want the Bill Michaels deal. And they've got uh, specialty wines that have been made. And there you go. Go in and do a wine tasting. Look through the uh, entire place. They've got a great tasting area up there. The tasting room's fantastic. But uh, get yourself something to eat. Enjoy yourself a little bit. All good stuff, man. All good stuff from our friends at Forgotten Fire Wine. And damn it, if you're not up in Peshtigo, do this this weekend. Stop in, whether it's a local grocery store. I know Woodman's carries them. Well, go to Woodman's or any other local grocery store. Liquor store, wine shop. Go in and say, hey, uh, I want to try Forgotten Fire wine. Whatever wine you like, okay? You like a Moscato, go with a Moscato. You like a red Merlot, go with a red Merlot. Whatever it happens to be. Like a Pinot Grigio, you're good for that. Stop in and check it out and then try it and then get back in touch with me. Let me know if you liked it. 
because that's all they want to know. Do you like it? Does it taste good? Do you enjoy it? Would you do it again? That's what they're looking for. ForgottenFireWinery.com. That is ForgottenFireWinery.com. Again, ForgottenFireWinery.com. Let's do this. Aaron Jones met with the media. Let's take a listen to what Aaron Jones, running back for the Green Bay Packers, had to say. Aaron, your quarterback was talking yesterday about how this is a defensive team now, a little tongue-in-cheek, but... Well, it looks like the uh, clip is not playing, the, Bill. Well, that crapped out. We had some technical issues uh, the other day, too, where some of the stuff wasn't playing proper. So uh, we didn't even get the question in. Aaron, your quarterback was talking yesterday about how this is a defensive team now, a little tongue in cheek, but he's got a good defense, and you know, obviously the offense is here we go. Been here for a long time. Does this feel like it's shaping up to maybe be one of the more competitive camps that you guys have had? Maybe in your uh, definitely, and uh, I mean, like you said, I, I feel like our defense is stacked, and um, that's just that's not going to do anything but make us better. So uh, push us to go out there and be our best every day, and, and we want to get the best of them the same way they want to get the best of us. Does it feel a little different than in the past? I know you guys have had some good defenses, but on paper, this defense looks a little different. Does it feel a little different than the past? Uh, it does, and they and they know they know it too, and they know they know they play together. They all know how to play together, and they know they need each other, and I think that's the biggest thing and on, and on offense as well we need each other it's not just one player we all need each other so uh and they, they're playing with confidence as well you mentioned you know that they know do they have a different swagger can you sense that play to play just going against those guys that they carry a different energy oh definitely i mean before the play they let you know after the play they let you know and even in the locker room they let you know so you can and, and i love it. It, it it holds us accountable it makes us it pushes us as an offense to hey we, we don't want to hear these guys talking every day we got to come out here and, and shut them up or, or produce. How you felt about how the offense produced the first two games? Uh, I felt like we, we got a little bit of little bit of the best of them. Uh, today was a little, I feel like a little more evened out, but uh, they, we've been competing and that's all you can ask for. And like I said, it's going to bring the best out. It's good on good, iron sharp as iron. Does that competition or, or that chirping maybe, does that go, leave the tracks field sometimes? You, you talk about hey, what, what happened that day? Uh, a little bit of here, but it's more so friendly. It's not like up in your face. Uh, and we let them know, hey, we got the best of you guys. You guys are supposed to be the best best unit. And, yeah. um, but that just pushes them to come out the next day and uh, try to get after us. So it, it's it's so it's so much fun having a unit like that and um, guys who push you every day to be the best. Feeling like you guys won yesterday. I mean, that's especially after the headlines the defense has gotten throughout the offseason and so many new pieces on the offensive side of the ball. Which confidence does that give you guys? Uh, it gave us a lot of confidence. Uh, I felt like it wasn't our first practice together. I felt like we had been in training camp just the way we were uh, clicking and uh, receivers catching the ball and, and the timing and everything. So uh, it was a lot of fun, and we, we just got to keep it going. And uh, like I said, they'll make us better. We'll make them better. And at the end of the day, we're one team. So when we get ready to compete against somebody, it'll all pay off. With that said, there's been talk about it. Aaron Rodgers needs to play a preseason game to get his flow. Do you think he can find this flow in training camp? I think he's already found it. <laughs> I think he's already found it. Uh, and he's our leader. Uh, he doesn't need to play a preseason game, if you ask me. He's He's been doing it for so long. He's just it's natural to him. Do you need to play a preseason game, Aaron? Uh, I, don't, I don't think so, but if I have to, I will. I'm always ready to strap it up and go um, and be out there with my brothers. But uh, I feel like I, I don't need to. I, I haven't in a while, so... Um, 
Yeah. What are your thoughts on the concussion ads uh, on the helmets a lot of guys are wearing? Uh, definitely, if you're hurt by somebody with that, you don't feel it. <laughs> That's 100%. Uh, me and A-Rod kind of bumped heads and I had mine on earlier. And I'm like, hold on, do that again? I don't feel anything. He's like, yeah, you're not. So, uh, I don't know. Like, you know, when you get to real, like, real football in contact, you're not going to have that on. And so, I don't know if your neck or your head is going to be ready for that because you're used to having that pad on. Um, but I understand the the pro, like the protocol and the, the safety to it. It, it. I think it definitely will help uh, at practice and things like that. But for a game, I don't know. There you go. Aaron Jones, running back for the Green Bay Packers. Next hour, Mike Clements. More right after this.